White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? (laughs) This presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. And now, here are your hosts, Fred Huebner and Jeff Meller. Welcome on into White Sox Weekly. The White Sox are 10 and 9 and above 500 for the first time this season as they've taken four of their last five, four and two on the week since we last convened Fred. And I have to say, away we go. It feels like they finally turned the corner this early in the season. Yeah, well, I know how you like, you and everybody else likes playoff odds. Mm-hmm. I'm looking here 74.4% to make the postseason. So I guess that's good, right? What, uh, since you have it up, I'm what, just looking at baseball reference. What is the Kansas City Royals playoff odds since they currently sit atop the division? Oh, I don't have that. Uh oh, I have the White Sox seven point six to win the World Series. So, and I have to imagine, even though the Kansas City Royals right now are twelve and seven and two games above the White Sox, I would imagine the White Sox odds are probably a little bit better because we have so much season to go. And Can- I think Kansas the, City's is eleven point three to make the playoffs. To make the playoffs. so there you go, there you go, yeah. Like, the the models the projection models are big fans of the White Sox for the most part, yep. and they are now ten and nine, finally above five hundred. We've kind of been waiting for this day all year long. It seems like, sure. and they finally got there last night. And I, you know what? I think I, you sidetracked me, Fred. I know. I had on an purpose. important question to ask at the outset of the show, and I did not get to it because you sidetracked me with playoff odds. My important question, Fred. Yes, I'm ready for it. You have a two-hour extravaganza of White Sox Weekly every Saturday before we get things going with White Sox pregame. And I have to ask you, is it time to consider rethinking whether we should rename the show the Yermeen Mercedes Spectacular? I don't think there's any doubt it should be called the Yermeen Mercedes Spectacular. I mean, after last night, look, branding is important. I know that uh, we're going to celebrate all things White Sox on these shows but how can you not talk about the White Sox with the first thing being on your mind these days, your mean Mercedes, after last night, yep. yet again? And it's not even that he just got four hits. It's the way he got the four hits. He goes inside out, hits a ball to right field to bring it in two runs. He hits a ball to right center. He hits a ball to left center. And it, he is such a good hitter with two strikes. And he's a 28-year-old guy. And it's not, it would be nice if some of the younger players in baseball, some of the stars <laughs> in baseball that strike out 150 times, could take a page from what your mean Mercedes does and put the ball in play. It is so nice to see because he swings from his heels on the first two till he gets two strikes. And after he gets two strikes, he makes sure he puts the ball in play. He doesn't strike out that much, and that's a nice thing to see from your mean Mercedes right now. Only 10 strikeouts and 67 plate appearances. That's not bad at all for a guy that's hitting as high as he is and does have the power, too. Just in case you missed it last night, let's give you a little taste of what your mean at Mercedes did at the dish. A one-two. Mercedes drives one out toward right center. That one's going to get in there. All the way to the wall. Robert scores. The Yerminator makes it 7-6 with a double. Well, we've talked about it twice in this game. Chris Woodward would rather take his chances with your mean Mercedes in a man in scoring position than Vaughn on deck. So there you go, your mean Mercedes last night's four hits. And Fred, he's now 
got an OPS plus of 228. Now, what does that mean, OPS plus? So, league average is 100. That means right now, your mean Mercedes is 128% better than the average hitter in the league. He is far and away the White Sox best hitter right now. There's no question about it. And it does make you wonder why the Rangers chose to pitch to him last night. Yeah, and, and DJ was saying it quite, quite often throughout the night because Andrew Vaughn, who did have two hits yesterday, Vaughn mm-hmm. was two for four, but Vaughn is a guy who's struggling. He's hitting two twenty two after those two hits yesterday. So it makes no sense if you're the Texas Rangers to pitch to him. And if you can get away with it and not pitch or pitch around Mercedes and bring up Andrew Vaughn, that would be the wise thing to do. Maybe they will do it tonight as uh, they take the field today because you're mean back in the lineup as the designated hitter, and why not? Absolutely. There's no reason he should come out at this point. This has been one of the, you know, injuries strike, and as a fan of a team, you're always bums. Yep. You know, and Eloy Jimenez's injury really did open up some at-bats and the possibility because I have to imagine – that without Eloy's injury during spring training, Andrew Vaughn would have been slated for a lot of the DH at-bats. I'm sure Jose Abreu maybe would have been at DH a little more and they would have maybe rotated Vaughn in at first base. But Eloy's injury necessitated that they kind of work in Andrew Vaughn in left field. And all of a sudden, a lot more plate appearances were opened up for Yermin Mercedes. And all he has done is do what he's done at every single level, right. and that is hit. Well, and the one thing about your mean Mercedes, too, is when you look at it, he is also a guy that was raking in spring training last year yep. before COVID yes. struck. And because of the way the season started, when it did start, it was difficult for him to get back into it. So we saw him, I think, for one at bat or something like that late in the season last year in the 60-game season. But this year, he did the same thing this year in spring training he did last year. He hit the ball. And I'm still not 100% sure. I don't know if I've gotten an answer from Rick Hahn or from Tony LaRusa. But if Eloy doesn't get hurt, there's a good chance your mean Mercedes does not start with the big club. He might be in the alternate site. I think that's a strong possibility And the reason I've been so optimistic about Mercedes is because he has hit at every single level he's ever been at. He's always been a 280 to 300 hitter, if not better. And he's somebody who's been commanding the strike zone. He gets on base. He draws his walks. And as you already pointed out, he's got the ability to go the other way. He's a smart hitter at the plate. The problem, or I guess the problem in scout's eyes, is that he doesn't look like somebody who's svelte and can run around and play a position. And so defensively, you can never figure out, you know, he was a catcher in the minor leagues. Right. But scouts knew that re- realistically he wasn't going to be somebody you could count on to catch 120 games in the, at the major league level. Right. Not, you know, he's not going to handle a pitching staff for you and be able to throw out runners at the rate you'd like. So that was always a drawback. So the question was, where is he going to play then? And now in 2021, most teams don't like to clog up their designated hitter spot with one guy. They like the ability to get guys off their feet from time to time, give them that rest day, but still have them in the lineup. And so it was really going to be a stretch for your mean Mercedes to get an opportunity. Eloy goes down in spring training, it opens up the spot, and all Mercedes has done is raked and taken advantage of it. And now the question is, how much confidence do you have in your mean Mercedes? Because at this point, 
I have more confidence in him than anybody else when sure. I come to the plate for the White Sox. Yeah, I do too. I have more confidence in him that he's going to put the bat on the ball, that he's not going to have a bat at bat. He had a he had a strikeout um, earlier in the week, I want to say, and he got pulled. There was also a mistake he made at first base. He got pulled from the game. And you know what? That's probably the best thing that could have happened for him. Then he comes back home. He gets a chance to take taste the uh, Urminator burger. He has all that stuff. Everything's good about that. So it, it's very, very cool that he is, a, as a 28-year-old kid, he's not a youngster. He's taken a while to get up here. He knows how to, to, he knows how to hit. He knows how to uh, take um, approach two strike at bats. And it's great. It's just fun to watch him. And it, it's funny because back in the day, you would always watch a Frank Thomas at bat. You'd always watch a Jose Abreu at bat. You'd probably always watch an Eloy Jimenez at bat. Now, White Sox fans, I'm pretty sure you always make sure that when you're mean Mercedes at the plate, you're make, you make sure you pay attention to that at bat. It's a must-see TV. Your mean Mercedes met the media last night via Zoom and talked about his burger and whether or not he was actually going to give it a try. Yes, I want the Germanator burger right now. I'm hungry. I want to try it. <laughs> I waited for all day. I tasted it earlier today, and it was good. good? They, they said they want you to come over there and taste it. Are, are you ready to go? You gonna, yeah. So you can taste it? Yeah, of course. What do they got? Dominican flavors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, they, they put together a Dominican. It's like a chimichurri Dominican sauce. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. I want that right now. What seriously though? What what is that? What does that mean to you? That like you've been such a star through one month of this rookie season that that a place close to guaranteed rate is is naming a sandwich after you. That's the reason. But that's the reason I'm I'm working hard every day for that part. You know. So now everybody doing stuff for me like the t-shirts, like the burger, like you know everything. So that's the reason I'm working hard every day. I, 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 I be part of my fans, my, my, my people next to me. I'm just so excited for that. You know, like a month ago, I don't, I don't believe, I don't trust. I want to be in that point right now. So I never imagined that. So the, the part is that I'm working hard every day for that. I'm, we got it. The Yerminator, your mean <laughs> Mercedes. You have to love him. It's awesome. What he does on the field is out is just uh, compelling baseball right now, and watching him, watching his personality kind of flourish as well, is pretty cool. As a White Sox fan, he is definitely taking over baseball because he's a lot of people are when you look at what they're talking about nationally. He is somebody who's being talked about nationally because again, you get a twenty eight year old who really who really is getting a chance to. You know, make yeah. his his actual debut where he's getting an opportunity to play and he's taking advantage of it and not looking back. I mean, that's something to talk about. And again, I don't think, based on his profile as a hitter throughout the minor leagues, I don't think that this is this is by any means fool's gold. Yeah, this, I, I I truly believe that you mean Mercedes. If he's given the opportunity, Fred, to give us six hundred plate appearances on the season, I do think he's going to hit thirty home runs. And and four hundred. Four hundred is a little bit of a stretch, <laughs> but I think three hundred with an on base percentage of three fifty to three seventy five is batting certainly in play. Batting average doesn't mean anything, though. Well, that's why I gave you the you know you know the, the uh, analytics nerd. Yes, I do. The on base percentage. Yes, as well. I do. But you mean Mercedes taking over Chicago right now and leading the White Sox above five hundred last night with a four hit game? I mean, it's been a magical run. Which was more important to you? 
uh, Yurin Mercedes with four hits or Yohan Moncada with three and three RBIs because Moncada is a guy that needs to hit for this White Sox team to keep playing well. And I know I've heard a lot of people say it looks like when Abreu hits, the rest of the team's just like they they fall in line and start hitting. Well, Abreu had some had a nice ga- series, uh, nice game in Cleveland. Now you got Moncada with three hits. You got Mercedes with four. They win a game. They're ten and nine. Uh, I can't wait for these next two games. The starting with this one in Dallas Keuchel on the hill tonight. No, absolutely. I do think Moncada's game last night, especially the home run, it gives you confidence that he is finding his way at the plate. I think a lot of people who read the articles about how COVID affected him last season, were more than willing to say, okay, last year, let's just throw it in the garbage and not worry about it because we think you're more the player that we saw back in 2019 when we saw you for a full season go out and play. You know, like he was a a top 10 MVP finalist in that in 2019. And then all of a sudden last year hits and everybody is more than willing to give him a pass because you could see him at times struggle to catch his wind in the field. And so he, he was dealing with a lot last year. But then to see him come out and struggle a little bit to start of the, at the start of the season, he, it does, as a fan and just a, a bystander, makes you think, okay, is, is he going to be able to get back to those levels? But, to, yeah, three hits last night, see him kind of turn it around a little bit, is an encouraging sign and a bigger deal for me because, again, I'm convinced. I think your main Mercedes is a major league hitter and somebody who you can stick in the middle of the lineup. And I'm not – I don't want to – you you may be you may say okay you're you're getting very hyperbolic here right but I truly believe we just need time to play itself out but I think he's a type of guy who you're willing to go ahead and, and lock into the DH because of his ability as a hitter as a hitter now he's not like I I can't go crazy here and tell you he's David Ortiz or Nelson Cruz but I think he's certainly somebody who you're gonna feel confident that you put him in the lineup there and he's going to give you well above average OPS plus when he's there and he's a guy in the heart of the order that you can count on. So now seeing Mankata come around last night, hopefully he can build on that is a very encouraging sign for me as a White Sox fan. Yeah, very encouraging. They're starting to hit the ball. Anderson has done nothing but hit the ball since he's come back. He's hitting 349. He's been hitting the ball. He's been getting multiple hits, putting his bat on the ball. They've cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. So it'll be nice to see as they go forward. Listen, they don't have double-digit strikeouts yesterday. Even though Anderson had a rough day with three strikeouts, he got two hits. So they are hitting the ball. They're putting the ball in play. They're starting to do what they do. And the warmer weather comes to guaranteed rate field, and uh, it's going to be perfect. Can't wait to get on out there. Yeah, this week, Lex... This week looks spectacular. Yep. If you want to head to the ballpark April 27th through the 29th as your Sox take on the Detroit Tigers, single-game tickets are on sale now. Secure your seat today at WhiteSox.com. Go see the Yerminator get three or four more hits this week as the White Sox take on the Tigers. All right, you mentioned the fact that the White Sox did not strike out double digits. Yep. They did not. They were going up against a former foe last night. We'll delve more into that next right here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly or the Yermin Mercedes Spectacular? Well, we still need to get the final approval from the higher-ups if we're going to change the name. But as long as Yermin continues to hit, yep. maybe we will pursue it. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Fred Hubner on White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. The lineup is the same today as it was yesterday as I'm looking down at it. Yeah, I know you love that, a good old-fashioned lineup I being like, entrenched. I, well, it, Guys it, know where they're hitting, Fred. It's nice that, nice that they see it. And the interesting thing to me about Yohan Moncada 
He's six for seventeen in the three spot. His his slash line three fifty three, four fifty five, five eighty eight. He's got a double, a homer, six RBIs, and three walks in the three spot. So three walks means they're try. You know, you would think he'd get better pitches to see, but he's walked three times in like twenty plate appearances with a Brayu behind him. So you would think at that spot he gets better pitches. Um, it's a night, a little move. I didn't think they'd ever move a Brayu out of the three spot, and they did, and it seems to be working right now. Yeah, and I, Tony Larusa talked about that earlier this week when they did first make that move. You know, at uh, mentioning that a Brayu's ability to drive home runs, you know, maybe giving Mankad an opportunity to get on base for him. He liked that idea, and so that's why he decided to go with it. Certainly, I think Mankad is struggling. It was a way to potentially get him going, and that seems to, at least yep. as of last night, seems so to work out. You mentioned the lineup. Uh, leading off, Tim Anderson, of course, playing shortstop, hitting second in right field, Adam Eaton. The RBI leader on the team. There you go. <laughs> Yoan Mankata hitting third at third base. Clean up, Jose Abreu, as you mentioned. In center field, batting fifth, Lewis Robert. Catching your man, uh, Yasmani Grandal, who uh, has been showing you his propensity for catcher interference. Well, I, there's one thing here. We can stop right now real quick, and then we'll mm-hmm. finish the lineup. I just want to check one thing. Okay, he does have more catcher's interference calls than he has home runs. So, okay, go ahead. There we go. If he can at least have more homers and catcher's interference, we'll be good. Uh, your designated hitter, of course, your mean Mercedes. In left field, Andrew Vaughn actually making a couple nice plays. Now, it may not always look as pretty as you'd like, but, hey, he's getting the job done out there right now. At second base, Nick Madrigal. And, of course, on the hill tonight will be Dallas Keuchel. He'll be going up against Kyle Gibson, who is prone to giving up the long ball from time to time, but Gibson has been good this year. He's 2-0 with a 2.53 ERA, 1.13 whip. He's struck out 18 in 21 in a third inning so far this season with just six walks. So Kyle Gibson will be on the hill against the White Sox tonight. You mentioned the fact that the White Sox, even though Tim Anderson struck out three times last night, did not strike out in double figures. No. They were up against an old foe, an old friend, if you will. Yeah, one of my one of New my favorites. Foe, I've been saying, I've been saying, even last week, I said that I think they. I would rather have Dane Dunning than Dylan Cease. And coming in yesterday, Dane Dunning's ERA was point six zero. And he actually threw a couple of good innings yesterday, and all of a sudden things fell apart in the third inning. The problem with Dylan Cease is he's made four starts. Four and two-thirds, four and two-thirds, four and two-thirds. Yesterday, three and a third. He's not gone five innings wow. in four starts. And they got to they gotta figure out what's going on with him because he can he can pitch okay. He didn't get much help from Luis Robert yesterday. The ball goes off him, and then he, the bases were loaded. But he got out of a one-out, bases-loaded jam in the first inning. and uh, But then it just could not make it through four. And you need that because the bullpen, even though Tony La Russa said today the bullpen's not getting overused, they're out there a lot, and probably earlier than they have to be right now. So it would be nice to see uh, Dallas Keuchel today go six, six and a half, six and a half, six and two-thirds, seven innings, and give the bullpen a little bit of a rest going into the weekend. It certainly would be, but I, Sunday. I do think, you know, it's one of those changes in baseball that when you've been watching baseball for as long as you and I have, yeah. you, like six is ingrained in you that six is the bare minimum that you want from your starting pitcher. Yeah. You know, you go six, you give up three earned runs or less, you give your, you gave your team a quality start. That's the stat that, you know, that really, the quality start really became prevalent, I feel like, in the 90s when people were like, you know, after we got past when, when guys would go out and, you know, pitch over 300 innings right. in a season. And it was like, all right, give us a quality start. That's what we want you to do there. And the truth is, the way baseball has been 
revolutionized with bullpen usage. And, you know, a lot of it goes back to when Tony La Russa first yeah, started using, sure does. you know, one inning relievers. Now you've seen teams like the Tampa Bay Rays use a strategy where they're going to limit their starters unless they're an absolute ace and you've proven you can do it at some level. They're going to limit you to twice through the order max. Yep. And I think the White Sox are a bit of an anomaly because they have four guys, I think, in their rotation who you can feel pretty comfortable are going to get a shot to go through that order at least three times as long as you know you don't have a Patriots Day Massacre that sure. we got on this yeah. past Monday. But in the, for the most part, you're usually going to get a shot if you're in this White Sox rotation, because of who you are, Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Lance Lynn when he's healthy, mm-hmm. and even what he's done so far in Carlos Rodon. Well, he did. He almost went through. He almost went through it just three times in nine innings. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think Dylan Cease right now is a lot more in line with the starter of today. He needs to prove that with his repertoire. He can get through the order twice without struggling. And if he doesn't, if he's struggling at all, he's going to have a difficult time going into the fifth or sixth inning, Fred. Okay, well, here's the thing. And I know we, I mentioned this right before we came on. When, you're, when you only go four and two-thirds, what that, it does not allow you to get a win. <laughs> Wins aren't important anymore, I guess. I'm looking at the White Sox pitching staff, and who would have thought it? Nobody has more than one win except one guy, and that's Carlos Rodon. He has three victories so far this season, but he also has an ERA of, I think it was zero, um, 0.47 is his ERA. So that's not bad. That's not too shabby. But I understand people say wins don't mean much. Same people probably that say RBIs don't mean much or it's different things like that. And But when you've got a, a 0.47 ERA, you go 19 innings and three starts. That's not too shabby. That's, you know, an average of more than six per start. Mm-hmm. And even though one of them was nine, so that's nice to see too. But I just want to see... Dylan Cease go at least the five. And like you mentioned, the third time through the lineup, if you pitch well, your second time through the lineup will be the sixth inning or, you know, five and two-thirds or something like that if you hold down the other team. So that's what Dylan Cease has to start working on doing, and hopefully he can do that in his next outing, which likely would be against Cleveland, I would think. There is a Pandora's box of wins and whether or not how much stock we should put into them as baseball fans these days. We can get into that in a little bit. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. We've got former Major League Baseball player Michael Huff, who is actually the White Sox Director of Youth Baseball. He's going to join us next and tell us about a cool program the White Sox have going on. White Sox Weekly here with Jeff Meller and Fred Hubner. We're back with Michael Huff next. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Fred Hubner. Don't forget, your 2021 Chicago White Sox are presented by Guaranteed Rate. Learn how you can turn your belief in a new home into action at rates.com. If you believe, you will. And to get priority ticket access this season, secure a ticket package today by visiting whitesox.com. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Fred Hubner. Now, it is our pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with White Sox Director of Youth Baseball, Michael Huff, who has been who's been through the times as a major leaguer when your young and exciting team is getting really good. He did that when he was a member of the White Sox back in 1991 through 93. And I have to admit, Fred, I think I've mentioned this a few times now, 2005. For me as a White Sox fan was phenomenal, but it was somewhat unexpected the way we arrived at it. But 
the last couple seasons, with the anticipation I've had for the, this White Sox team, I haven't had that since back in like 90, 91, 92, 93, when the White Sox had set up all these great young players, Frank Thomas, you, you had Jack McDowell, Alex Fernandez, Fernandez you had right. Wilson Alvarez, Jason Beret, you had Ray Durham. You had all these young players that the team was building around and you were excited for the possibilities that lay ahead. Mike Huff was a member of those teams. He joins us now here on ESPN 1000. Mike, how's it going? How much fun are you having watching the White Sox play baseball these days? Well, Jeff, good to hear your voice. Same, Fred. Yeah, you're you're putting a big smile on my face, <laughs> taking me back to those early '90 days. Yes, it, it is very exciting watching the team, and, and again, can't help but think about how much the game has changed. You know, last 25 years, um, kind of crazy to think it's been that long—30 years um, in that. Those names you were rattling off, first-round draft choice, Jack McDowell, first-round draft choice, Robin Ventura, Alex Fernandez, uh, Frank Thomas, you know, high draft choices, and just a few trades for the, you know, the the Tim Raines or or the few free agent pickups. And now the way the game is so much more fluid, how Rick has been able to juggle, you know, obviously balance sheet as well, but – understanding, you know, when's a good time to trade, when's a good time to, you know, buy, sell, how you put people together to make, you know, our clubhouse was so close and and it was so much fun hanging out with the guys after the game. And you can just see with, you know, Abreu bringing these young Cuban players with Tim, just the excitement that he brings to the entire organization that um, it's been very fun this year and even last year watching the team. And I think for all Sox fans in Chicago, there's a big smile because uh, this is going to be like this for the next four or five, maybe six, seven years. Mike, you talk about young players and your title's director of youth baseball. That job must have been tougher the last year or so, like everybody's job has with COVID and everything else. How difficult has it been to put on clinics and, and work with young players over the last couple of years? Uh, exactly right, Fred. Very challenging. What we've had to do is unfortunately cut back a lot of the training. Um, our coaches masked up and, and really managing maybe just eight kids, six kids um, in a group um, having to be outside. And when we are indoors, you're checking temperatures. You're, you're, it, it's a big facility and it's just one team with maybe two instructors that are working these kids that are, you know, four, six, eight, ten feet apart and trying to go through drills. And, you know, then you're also trying to look at the coaches for the teams and the leagues and trying to talk to the parent coaches to say, here's why we're doing this drill. And, and having a mask just isn't quite the same no. as sometimes being able to read lips back and forth. So, yeah, a huge challenge. But the White Sox were great. Our coaches were wonderful in albeit pairing back a lot over the last 12 months, we have been able selectively to to do some training. And for the kids that are playing for our travel teams, just like the ACE kids in the inner city, you know, just been very diligent about making sure, you know, we have a larger space. We're spacing the kids out, making sure everyone wears masks and knock on wood. You know, we haven't had one kid get sick um, for the last 12 months of training. Mike, uh, interesting thing you said there at the outset, and I want to hit on that. Uh, White Sox Youth Director Michael Huff joining us here on ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Miller along with Fred Hubner. All right, so you mentioned how drastically baseball has changed over the last 30 years, and anybody who's watching the game has certainly recognized that. 
So when you're working with younger baseball players, give parents out there a little taste of kind of like what you're going into because it is so different. And I know Fred's always hollering at me every week about, (laughs) you know, hitters needing the ability to go the other way, make some contact. What are some of the basics you start out teaching these players at the youth level? Well, it really just comes down to catching, throwing, and hitting a baseball. Um, We try to teach uh, very similar to the White Sox. All of our coaches, like myself, Dan Pasqua, Jim Adusi, who played in the major leagues, are continuing to talk with the White Sox coaches and just make sure we're on the same page. But, again, for those young kids, really understanding there's a lot of hits opposite field, really understanding all you want to do is put yourself in a good balanced position, whether I'm fielding a ball, throwing a ball, or trying to hit the baseball. If I can get my body in a position where it's balanced, I can react and then take my hands to the ball and hopefully make more contact more often and with that, hopefully, comes more success. Well, you look at it, one of the reasons it comes up and one of the reasons I'm harping on it is because the White Sox got a 28-year-old rookie who, when he gets two strikes, he changes his approach. And in your mean Mercedes, and then you also have Nick Madrigal, who actually it would be better if Nick just said, give me two strikes, I'll hit better this way. <laughs> but it's, that's the amazing thing to me is that so many players in baseball now, they're swinging for the fences. They don't care what their count the count is. But it's so nice to see a 28-year-old guy like Mercedes, you know, get two strikes, change his, change his approach. How difficult is that to try to enforce to, or bring it up to kids at a young age of just making contact and not striking out? Well, well, luckily, uh, the kids that we work with from, you know, five-year-olds through high school haven't had the success of a major leaguer <laughs> or have been playing travel or an All-American in college that all they've heard is how great they are and let's try to get that launch angle and, you know, exit velocity. Sure. We're able to get back to teaching the basics. So coming from former major leaguers, there's a lot more buy-in from these kids Um, Even our travel teams and the ACE kids, and that's what's a lot of fun for us is trying to teach more of the overall game. And and, and when we get to those high school kids, again, as you guys remember, you know, I was never one that could hit a home run. I had to live with the bunt and hitting the opposite way and stealing a base playing good defense. And so we pride ourselves with our travel teams and the travel teams we work with to, to stress more defense to work on bunting, hitting and running, using the whole field. And, and again, as you guys were talking about the early 90s when I was coming up with the Dodgers, I mean, it was just understood. Once you got two strikes, unless you were the three or four hitter, everybody else was choking up half an inch, maybe spreading out their stance and just putting that ball in play. Where today, I think everyone sees if I hit a home run, if I get an extra base hit, I have a chance to make a lot of money. So even with two strikes, ah. I'm going to try to go for that double or home run. Okay, I'm I'm looking here. I see here that for your career you had nine. Do you remember all nine of them and who the pitchers uh, pretty were? Pretty much so, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one that was a pinch hit, the one that was off Jack McDowell, and, mm. and talking to him the next day, like, I can't believe I hung a forkball to you. Great job. I mean, <laughs> um, that's the nice thing about having so few. So <laughs> they all were very special I wish I had all nine baseballs still, but unfortunately, I just have the first one. Uh, yeah, they're all memorable when you only have nine. That's <laughs> Hey, you know what? That's nine more than most folks That's out nine there more than us so, had, than we had, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mike Huff, uh, White Sox Youth Director, joining us here on ESP 1000. Uh, it is that time of year when parents are looking for summer camps and what they need to do to get their kids signed up. I know that the White Sox are planning on having hope, or hoping to have around 50 camps, 45 different locations throughout the Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana area. Mike, 
Where can Sox fans or just parents out there go if they want their kids to be involved in some summer camps this year? Well, thank you so much. Yeah, this is probably the most exciting part of my job and really the reason Jerry Reinsdorf started us 30 years ago was working with those kids 5 through 12 and just going back having our coaches out there working on just developing a love for the game and some success so you can go to whitesocks.com slash play um, big icon that says summer camps click that and there's a huge map of all of Chicago Northwest Indiana just click the Sox logos close to your community uh, wherever you're living, and you'll be able to see one or two camps, hopefully nearby, that work within the family schedule. And again, as of right now, we're still being very limited. You know, 32 kids as a max, two fields um, every place we're going, sort of, you know, four pods of eight kids with one coach, just to make sure, you know, as we kind of finally start to see the light at the end of the tunnel through this COVID, that we're still going to make sure the kids are as safe and our coaches as possible. We know that all of the people that watch White Sox baseball is excited. How excited is it being a part of the of the White Sox family and being a part of the White Sox? You guys have to be so excited with the way this team's been built and now going into what to this season, especially after last year in the 60 games and the taste of the playoffs. It's got to be pretty exciting out there. Yeah, and I think the exciting part is that, and you guys were talking about it earlier, that you have a the, the variety of players that any fan or any young player can sort of associate with. You know, me growing up, I was the guy that was five feet tall, 95 pounds, entering high school. I mean, I was never hitting a home run. Oh, and guess what? The White Sox have a guy like Nick Madrigal. Right. You know, as I got bigger and faster, I could run like the wind. So there's, you know, the Luis Roberts, you know, for those guys that can just throw it really hard. You've got, you know, how many of those do we have now? Both starters and the bullpens. For the big lefties, you can associate the big righties. It's just neat to see that whatever, you know, your position is or whatever type of skill set you have, there's a White Sox player or players that aren't just, like, good players. I mean, they're good people. I mean, they are constantly giving back in the community. They're constantly being positive in, in their in their comments on and off the radio and TV. And it's just neat to have those type of guys, you know, to root for. And I think it's so easy right now to be a Sox fan. And, you know, I know I've got growing up on the North Side, a lot of North Side friends and family that uh, are clearly White Sox lovers and, and have been for the last few years. And uh, just like you guys were saying, for the next four, five, six years, it's going to be awfully fun rooting for those guys. Absolutely. Cannot wait to watch it as it unfolds here. Mike, thanks a lot for your time. We appreciate it. Continue to have fun watching these White Sox and also have continue having fun helping the youth players out there get better at baseball and helping them develop the love of the game that you have. We really appreciate your passion today. Thank you, Jeff. Have a great one, you and Fred. Have a good afternoon. Thank, Thank you, you, too. That is White Sox Director of Youth Baseball, Michael Huff, joining us here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network, White Sox Weekly. And in case you missed it, you can go to whitesox.com slash play and then look for the summer camps. And I know there's kids out there right now. Some of the high schools have finally gotten started playing ball and things like that, and uh, that's nice. And then the other kids, the younger kids, the 5 through 12s, um, they may have a tough time with le- little leagues and travel leagues and stuff like that right now. Check out the uh, summer camps, whitesocks.com slash play. And it's, it's great to hear, too, Mike, talk about, you know, being very cognizant of, you know, creating distance. And sure. you're, you're outside, right. which is good. And I'm telling you, as a parent right now, setting up summer camps, you want to make sure that you have ones that are you, being outside right. is obviously everything we've read and know now. It's, you know, about 
the safest place you can be if you're going to do some type of activity and to hear that they're also keeping them in you know eight kid pods and making sure that everybody is safe out there is a very good thing to hear as a parent who let me tell you is talking with his wife Almost every night, it feels like trying to figure out, okay, what camp are we going to send them to? How are we going to get the date set up? As Mike mentioned, you know, there's over 50 camps and 45 different locations. So chances are, if you're listening to us right now on ESPN 1000 or the White Sox Network, you're probably somewhere close to a Chicagoland or Northwest Indiana area where there's a camp that's probably within driving distance for you. So make sure you check it out because the White Sox do a great job of helping develop youth play yeah. baseball i'm just looking at the uh, white Sox stats and i don't know if he did yesterday let me see i updated his stats no um i haven't looked at odds anywhere what do you think we got for a tim anderson walk today he has not walked yet this season Ooh, you're looking for odds yeah you think tim anderson will walk will he walk will he walk uh kyle gibson uh a guy that can give six, up the long six, ball at yes. times and but... six walks on the season from kyle gibson that's it huh mm, yeah that's it but i mean okay. you know three starts maybe four for him so We'll see. I don't know. Like, listen, as long as Tim, Tim's putting the ball in play, he's quick enough where it's not as detrimental for him as it is for some other players who don't walk. The reason I noticed it is that I looked at his, uh, his slash line and it's 349, 349. Yes. So your average, his average and on base exactly the same because he has no walks this season yet. Can I tell you, tell you something, Fred? Yeah. 349, that'll play. Yeah, exactly. So you know what? He's getting on base. That works for me. Beyond the Diamond at Home, presented by Trust and People's Gas, is this Sunday, and the online auction is now live. Bid on game-used items, including a baseball from Lucas Giolito's no-hitter. To bid, visit whitesox.com slash diamond. The auction will be live through April 28th at 8 p.m. Central. We're going to talk more about that event coming up later on in White Sox Weekly, uh, about 5 o'clock. Christine O'Reilly is going to join us from White Sox Charities. She's going to tell you all about that event that's happening tomorrow online so you know what if you're looking for something to do we've got something for you to do it's a great charity for the white Sox are hosting so it's uh, we're going to give you more information about that coming up later on yeah well. clinics and everything else like that and camps have been tough but fundraising has been very difficult because you can't have the big fundraisers where people come and they pay the money and they come in with their you know their black tie events and things like that not since covid started so everything's a little bit different so it'll be interesting to see how the white Sox are doing it with white Sox charities this is white Sox weekly which means that we have an ask question from somebody in the play-by-play booth today today that will be connor mcknight so connor is going to give us his uh, when we do connor asks we'll do that next right here on esp 1000 white sex network this is white Sox weekly on esp 1000 white Sox network i'm jeff meller along with fred hubner we're here every Saturday for two hours talking White Sox baseball before your White Sox pregame gets started today at 5.30. Jonathan Hood will be here for the pre and post, and Connor McKnight will be along with Darren Jackson on the play-by-play of tonight's White Sox-Rangers game, a 6-10 first pitch. And I do have an update, Fred, from Tracy Butler of ABC7 Uh-oh. for the latest weather. And it's, it's supposed to be it's, nice, it's, isn't it? It's nice, and I, I just asked her because I said, look, uh, my weather app, which, you know, weather apps are a little dicey She'll at yell at you right away if I, you tell her you have a weather app, but it's I, not Oh, she ABC didn't yell 7. at me. She okay. was kind. I okay. just said, hey, you know, the weather app has a little bit of showers in the forecast 
right around that 6, 7 o'clock hour. So what do you got for me? She said, okay, hold on. Let me run some models here for you. And she did. She said, most likely any chance for showers at the rate, at Guaranteed Rate Field, will be between 7.15 and 8.30. So maybe a few showers, but it looks like we'll be fine for baseball tonight. So no concern. And uh, weather pretty pretty nice out there for... uh, for some baseball, for Listen, some April we need, baseball. Yeah, we need a Dallas, a Dallas Keuchel dominant performance. Go on out there and shut down, uh, you know, a Texas Rangers team that last yesterday they were hitting the ball all of a sudden. I mean, they they you know they they had seven runs, they had a couple of home runs. Um, you know, they they've got some guys in the lineup. Uh, Joey Gallo strikes out three times. That's not a big surprise. But um, you know, Garcia and Solak going deep. It's like okay, well, you you weren't expecting it from these guys, and uh, they hit the ball and hit it far. And uh, so it would be nice to see if they can, if Dallas Keuchel can go on out there. He's even though he's got a one and zero mark, he's probably not super happy with the way things have gone this early in the season. And uh, it would be nice to see him step up, have a nice outing today. And we're not a hundred percent sure, apparently, if it's who, if it's going to be Giolito or not tomorrow. I thought it was, but Tony La Russa talked earlier. He said he could go Monday, he could go tomorrow. He's not sure. So I'd hate to have. A bullpen game because the bullpen went yesterday. Yeah, you wonder a lot of guys in the pen. You wonder if potentially that will be based on what happens in tonight's game. Sure, Dallas Keuchel gives you a great outing. Maybe he will push Lucas to Monday in hopes that you know if he needs to use the bullpen, if he gets a good start out of Dallas Keuchel today, he he may be more uh, reliant on it tomorrow if needed. When you look at the bullpen, who's the one guy that concerns you right now in the bullpen? Last concerns night, me. Last night I, they I, used Marshall, Foster, I was, is, Bummer, is Hoyer, Bummer, Hendricks. I was going to say, is Bummer the one because I want more from him right now? Yeah, he's and the one that's surprised that he's the one that concerns me right now. I mean, Garrett Crochet a little bit as long as they don't bunt on him, and his uh, his velo seems to be down a little his, bit. Yeah, his velocity is down, but he's still you know he's still hitting like ninety five, ninety six. Right. So that is more than enough. Right. To get it done in the, at the major league level. Um, Bummer know. seems like, and I know, I think I heard it on uh, one of the broadcasts. It just looks like he's like he's pushing the ball or trying to pull the ball through and not just letting it go. Yeah, the way because usually when Aaron Bummer comes in, you expect things to work out really well, and so far this this year, not so much. And then he made a throwing error yesterday, and that's you know that 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 what's the uh, what's the abbreviate or the uh, thing for a pitcher? The you know the practice that pitchers always have. In spring training, long toss? No, they do a thing. It's a it's pitchers fielding practice PFP. Oh yeah, yeah. So they got to work on that. Uh, like during the season too, not not just spring training. Pitchers fielding practice. So you need uh, crochet and you need bummer and a couple other guys to work on some of that. Yeah, I just wonder if crochet needs to be uh, utilized in non extra inning situations right now because so they that's can't where his uh, right. two issues have seemed to come so far. Yeah, it has. Um, if you do want to uh, catch a White Sox game. But for some reason, you are a little bit concerned about the April weather. It's a little cool for you. You know what? You can catch the action from a private diamond suite, Fred, for as low as $100 per person for you and your group. This includes parking, exclusive entrance, and more. Visit whitesex.com slash group for more information about the diamond suites. All right. ESP 1000, White Sex Network. I'm Jeff Miller along with Fred Hubner. We mentioned earlier that we always do a... Ask segment from the broadcast. Right. Connor McKnight will have the play by play tonight. So tonight's 
we have a hashtag Connor Asks. All right, Sox fans, time for Connor Asks. Use the hashtag Connor Asks and respond to this question for the afternoon. I hope it's a fun one. It's one I've been thinking about a little bit as the weather has gotten nicer and nicer. I used to play a lot of wiffle ball in the backyard. Of course, this applies to t-ball or backyard baseball or sandlot stuff too. But when I was playing wiffle ball with my friends in the cul-de-sac, you would always adopt someone else's batting stance. You know, someone you watched a lot. Didn't have to be on your favorite ball club. Didn't have to be a White Sox player or anything. But just somebody whose batting stance you tried to mimic and then hit with. Sometimes it would be hilarious. Sometimes it would be disastrous. And sometimes it would work. Every time for me, it was Ken Griffey Jr. But I want to know who you imitated most when you were growing up with your batting stance. Use the hashtag ConnorAsks. Hit us up on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. Answer the question, and we'll talk about it all day today here on White Sox Weekly and on the broadcast tonight between the White Sox and Rangers. We get going at 610, pregames at 530. Looking forward to hearing your answers. So there you go. Connor wants to know which wiffle ball... When playing wiffle ball, which stance did you mimic as a kid? Fred, do you have one in mind here? Well, we didn't play wiffle ball as much as, I guess, the uh, the other generation. We used to play a lot of slow-pitch rubber ball. Mm-hmm. And we lived across, I lived across the street from Goodwin School in Cicero. And it was a big field. We, had it, we marked, marked it off at a three-story high building. It was like our Fenway. And I would always use – I would stand upright and swing the bat like Bill Melton. Because Melton had a stance where he stood kind of stood tall, and, and one year tied for the home run lead with thirty three, and uh, that's I always used a Bill Melton stance, and uh, you know I would imitate some of the other ones, but when I was batting or playing with my buddies in the, in the schoolyard, it was uh, Bill Melton. So for Melton me, Bill, um, it's funny because for me there were two guys, and they they had very similar stances, but they were always my go to. The pronounced Julio Franco. I mean, how could you not? He's still playing, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, you know what? I saw, <laughs> I saw a video, I kid you not, on social media, on Twitter, probably a week ago. Did you, yeah, Eric Ostrowski? He Ostrowski's, just cranks it, yeah. Eric Ostrowski, who's <laughs> running the board for us here on White Sox Weekly, uh, knows what I'm talking about. I think he's 63 now, if, that, if memory serves. <laughs> I'm 63. And he, and he And he looks like, you yeah. know, Julio Franco was always in great shape. Yes, he uh, was. Sox fans, longtime Sox fans will remember he was a member of the 1994 White Sox, and he did a, He was in the cleanup role for the most part that year. Drove in 98 runs in the strike-shortened season. Uh, you know, I always loved... Like, he was one of the guys who, as when he was a longtime Cleveland Indian... Yes, he was. I still enjoyed him because of his stance, because he would, he would, uh, he would cock the bat over his head. Almost directly towards the pitcher. Exactly, to the point yeah. where he was basically pointing the bat at the opposing pitcher... And obviously, he would whip him around, and it would come in. By the time the ball was coming to the plate, he was in a more natural stance. But the fact that the you know he was basically pointing at the pitcher all was just such a unique stance that yep. you could not not try it. And wiffle ball was the perfect time to sure do it because you had plenty of time to get the bat around. And another player who had a very similar stance was Gary Sheffield. Yes, he, he he did a lot of that as well, and so I did a little bit of both of those. Whenever I would come to the plate playing wiffle ball, I would mimic Julio Franco and Gary Sheffield. Those were my go tos as a batter stand. I think people forget about Sheffield. Sheffield had a nice career. I oh, mean, he really was, had a nice career, listen, and he hit the heck out of the ball. Just so hard, not always far, but hard. 
He hit the ball as hard. There's nobody hit the ball harder for me than Dick Allen did, but Gary Sheffield was pretty close. Will, he hit rockets. For me, the unfortunate fallout that comes from the PED era is that so many great players of my youth are kind of sullied sure. because you know whether or not they tested positive or just they've been accused of. Done, having done some PEDs, they're on the pay no mind list, especially for the Hall of Fame. So, you know, that was, you know, it's unfortunate because they were my childhood of baseball. Right. And for all those guys to be looked at now and, you know, basically when it comes to baseball Hall of Fame voting, basically given being put on the pay no mind list, it's a little bit sad. Eric, did you have any uh, that you... you mim- so Sheffield is absolutely was one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, something I learned, the reason he does the little like hand with the bat movement yeah. is because his hands were so fast that he wanted to actually slow them down because he was getting out in front of fastballs on the inside even. So that was a mechanism to slow his hands down, there which is go. weird. Another one, obviously everyone my age did Griffey. I was a right-handed yeah. hitter, but I was still doing Griffey. And the one odd one, because his stance was super strange, was Craig Council. His arms were directly extended above his head with his yes. bat all the way up there like he's trying to touch the sun. And then he somehow brought it down and swung. So I would always mess around with that one, too. Yeah, he was amazing. It was amazing he did that. And, you know, older people remember... You know, Hawk, one of Hawks' favorite players, Carl Yastrzemski, who would yes, yes, who would have his bat yes. way up high, yes. and um, and he would bring it down too. And it was a tri- he was a triple crown winner, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he was Yastrzemski. So yes. yeah, yeah, just a great, great player. And um, so yes. yeah, and saying, but Councils was even more exaggerated yes. than uh, than Yaz's. Yes, so, yep. Uh, I love Yaz. Um, actually, I don't. I just love Hawks saying yes. Do you like Do you like his his son? I do or because his grandson, right? his grandson. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski. He can play. Yeah, he had I think 28 homers last for the Giants, and I do like him because I can always say, yes, in my hawk <laughs> voice whenever he comes to the plate. Well, some people say it for uh, for Gradnal, too, now, because they do. sometimes they true. call him yes instead. They, you're, you're absolutely right. I just call him CI. For... <laughs> Catcher's interference. For me, though, it's uh, it just it hits more it hits closer to home when Mikey Strumsky's at the plate. So I was like, the yeah, yes. Well, one of the weird things about the catcher's interference, and you, me, and Eric were talking about it before the game, is James McCann was in town when the Mets were playing the Cubs the other day, and McCann got called for catcher's interference. So I <laughs> they, mean, do they teach it? I don't is know. It a White Sox I thing? don't know if it's a White Sox thing or how it works. That's why well, one of these days we got to get the White Sox catching coach on and figure out exactly what's going on. And I think you under, you you explained it a little bit when we were I, in the other the room it's all about framing right? I re- yeah i really think it has a lot to do with being if you want to be a good pitch framer as a catcher the ability to reach out and kind of slowly you know with with the the slight of of the umpire's eye to kind of trick him you need the ability to reach out and kind of grab the ball and if you're catching it you know in in the uh, the mid of the glove, right. you know what I mean. Like you have the ability to kind of position your glove so that it makes it look like you you can steal that strike. And you yeah. know the question is how many strikes can you steal throughout a game where you know it, it's use it's it's okay you can you can have some catcher interference and really and they have it not affect the outcome it's of the just, game. It's just a right. product of you know if you're going to be a good pitch framer, yeah. you're going to have to live with it. I That's mean, another thing that the automated strike zone will get rid of that it because will, there'll be no reason for it. It will do away with that for for sure. Right. If you would like to participate with your wiffle ball stance that you like to mimic, again, hit us up with the hashtag, hashtag Connor Asks. That's C-O-N-N-O-R Asks. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner here on ESPN 1000, your White Sox Network. We are talking all things White Sox. They are above 500. 10 and 9, we're bringing you up to pregame at 5.30 here on ESP 1000 White Sox Network. 
Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. Talking all things White Sox, bringing you up to pregame coverage starting at 5.30 with Jonathan Hood this evening as Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson will be on the call with first pitch at 6.10 tonight at Guaranteed Rate Field as the White Sox take on the Rangers. We'll have Dallas Keuchel on the hill for the White Sox and he'll be opposed by Kyle Gibson of the Rangers. We gave you the lineup earlier. We'll get back to that again as well. I'm sure Hoodie will have it for you as well in the pregame show. But in the pregame Zoom meetings, we did hear from White Sox starting pitcher Lance Lynn. Yep. And he very positive about where he's at uh, currently on the injured list. But uh, when exactly is he going to be able to return? Well, he gave us a little bit of a status update. The plan is to uh, throw a couple of bullpens coming up and uh, hopefully be back next weekend with the off days and the way everything's kind of shaped up. We're going to give it a couple extra days just to make sure, but we've been in a good spot and plan is next weekend as of right now. So there you go. As of right now, Lance Lynn hoping to be back next weekend, which is very encouraging for White Sox fans. Whenever, you know, whenever they send the players out there to yeah. talk as well, that is encouraging. That means they're feeling very good about where they're at. So as long as there's no setbacks, it looks like they'll have him back in the rotation and missing minimal games, too. Right. Because of off the, the off days, yeah. the way they fell and also, a, you know, a rain out in there as well, which we haven't even mentioned yet. But for the White Sox, very fortunate the way that fell on Wednesday of this past week. The, snow, the game was snowed out in Cleveland. And the White Sox were slated, Fred, to have a bullpen game. Well, as, and especially after what happened on uh, you know Tuesday in the, the game against Cleveland because yeah. they had to run way more bull, uh, relievers out there than they Car- thought they'd have to. Carlos Rodon got his third win of the season, gutted out five innings after his no-hitter, and they did have to rely on the bullpen much more than they probably wanted. And that was coming, of course, on the heels of Monday's Patriots Day Massacre, as I was calling it. Because yeah, we've, we've tried to we've tried to not talk about that one that much. Because, oh, uh, my Lord. Because, you know, part of the reason it's been a your mean Mercedes celebration is because of what he did on Monday. Eric, uh, let's cue up that highlight in case you missed it. Your mean Mercedes made his debut in the field. Your mean Mercedes is now pitching. There's a liner to Anderson for an out. The throw to second double play. They double off. Cordero, nice work here, Mean. I don't know if your Mean is trying to paint the corners here as much as just he's just missing because it's hard to throw strikes when it's not what you do normally. The pitch is hit high in the air. It is deep out in right center, but it's playable, and it's caught by Adam Eaton. So after all that, Mercedes gives up one and he'll now grab a batting helmet as we go to the eighth. And that is clearly where he's more comfortable. Yeah. I'm, at the plate. I, I'm not a fan of position players pitching. The one thing that it shows you is that you don't have to throw 95 miles an hour to get people out. Because some of these players, yeah. they muscle up and they think they can hit it out because it's a batting practice pitch. You know what? It's not. Batting practices are a little bit quicker. They throw them at 60 or 65 or whatever. You've got one of the coaches out there, and he knows what to do. He's throwing from a shorter distance, so the ball gets up there quicker. But when you're mean Mercedes and Danny Mendick are just throwing the ball and lobbing it on out there, it's funny when they lob the ball and it comes in at 40 or 45, and when 
when Carmen and Cap were throwing the pitch, mm-hmm. they came in at 50, and they were, they were throwing as hard as they possibly could. It's amazing how that happens uh, because you see the pitch and you go, there's no way that's coming in that fast. And uh, you look at it, but the, a lot of the players, they try to muscle up, and uh, it just doesn't work. You can get guys out by throwing junk, throwing garbage up there. Who was the knuckleballer that, that came out? He played play for Toronto. Um, R.A. Dickey? Yes, when R.A. Dickey came in. He, he was like, Cy Young. Yeah, I know. He just, like, reinvented himself, and it's like, I'm going to throw knuckleballs. People aren't going to be able to hit. He wins the Cy Young, and you show he he had other things. He had a fastball that was very slow, and he threw, worked that in, and they just can't hit it. Yeah, no, listen. They're used to hitting, the, used to hitting 90, 92-mile-an-hour fastballs. The art of pitching, it definitely, there's some of it that it has been lost, Fred, in today's game. It is all of, and I say that, and, 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 and the truth is that that's not completely accurate because guys are working harder than ever right? with so many advanced tools at their disposal, these high-speed cameras um, that give them... You the, could use the Polaroid to take your mean Mercedes shot. Well, this is, <laughs> that's a good point. A couple Polaroids, um, you can see it on the way to the plate. So, but the, you're right, the art of pitching, you know, you, you don't have that as much in today's game in regards to, you know, the ability to use your change-up and, you know, right. create different views. For the most part, a lot of pitchers are two- and three-pitch pitchers, and there's just, you know, so much differential between, like, perfecting the ball coming out of their hand at the exact same location with every pitch. Right. So that the batter basically, I mean, I don't know if folks out there follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter, but he, he, he has to be, if you enjoy baseball, he has to be one of the best followers in the game. Rob, Rob Friedman goes by Pitching Ninja on Twitter. And he, f- like, frequently, I, I'd say multiple times a night, will tweet out, like, the best pitchers in the game, what they're throwing. And he'll have an overlay. Was that, was that him last night with you, Darvish? Yes, yes, okay. yes. And he'll have an overlay where you'll see the pitcher as they're throwing two or three different pitches. And you can see in almost every instance by the good pitchers. They're, the ball is being released from the exact same point in their hand right. on the mound. No differentiation, you know, at the angle. It's just coming out from the same spot for the good pitchers. And then you'll see the ball will end up, you know, we're in almost 12 inches in, in a different direction. Yeah. Which is, like, that is, I think, the best indi- indicator if you're someone who can't doesn't, like, want to get into, like, the quants and really get into all these, like, advanced metrics and studying. I was We were talking earlier uh, about how just, you know, baseball, it's become, you know, in a lot of ways, like a math class. Yes. You know? Oh, sure. And so in that regard, it's not as much fun. But if you watch just these videos, the really good pitchers, you know, you've got a 97-mile-per-hour Garrett Crochet fastball coming in at your hands, you know, and then all of a sudden a filthy slider going in the completely other direction, and they're both coming out from the same release point. Yeah. So that's why... It, that's when I get to it. That's that's like the main reason why it's so difficult for a lot of hitters to make contact. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's where we get into the nitty gritty of baseball and the changes that we a little bit of what we were talking about with Mike Huff earlier as why things are so difficult these days in today's baseball at the major league level. There are still people that are asking Tony Larusa 
and Ethan Katz questions about Lucas Giolito, wondering if he might have been tipping his pitches because his changeup was getting hit, and his yeah. changeup in previous outings was the pitch that always got him out of things. Yes. And uh, on it's Monday, the, on Patriots Day, it was not his changeup. It was a changeup that was getting hit. When he's rolling, it's the best changeup in baseball. Yes. And he's got a few different varieties, and so I think that adds to the difficulty for hitters to really adjust to it but it is his strikeout pitch you know he gets more swings and misses on that pitch than any pitch that he throws right and he's clearly become the White Sox ace because of it and his ability to rely on it and and command it so you know in that sense it is I think it's it's a fair question we'll kind of see how he does in his next outing to I think that'll give us a little bit of indication as to whether or not he's tipping it or not. Yeah, if, we'll if he gets prob- hit around again, that's right. a bad sign. We'll probably find out sometime during the game tonight if it is going to be Lucas Giolito going tomorrow or uh, then they have Monday off and then they have Detroit coming in on Tuesday for um, the continuation of the homestand. So we'll see when Giolito does go. Uh, I, I kind of thought it was tomorrow, but uh, Tony LaRusso said before the game that it could be tomorrow, might be might be on Tuesday. You brought up bullpens and who we're concerned about yeah. for the White Sox going forward. That is something I want to hit on. Liam Hendricks talked earlier today. He was asked about how bullpens are used in today's game. So we're going to play that when we come back next. Don't forget, though, White Sox fans, test your luck in the Queen of Hearts raffle, benefiting White Sox charities. In addition to weekly prizes, one lucky fan will win 50% of the total progressive jackpot, which is over $100,000. To purchase Queen of Hearts raffle tickets, visit whitesox.com slash queen of hearts. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Fred Huebner. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. It's fun to watch kids act out their dreams, even if it's just in the backyard. Hey, Mom, watch this. Imagining themselves as champions, winning it all. They're on top of the world, and you're right there with them. Securian Financial offers insurance, investment, and retirement solutions that give you the confidence to enjoy your here and now. So you can make every moment count. Find out more at securian.com. Insurance issued by affiliated companies. Securian Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. Hey, Sox fans, Len Casper here. Have you had a chance to check out the new Toyota RAV4 Hybrid? My family has a RAV4 Hybrid, and we love it. It gets my family, including our dogs, wherever we need to go safely and comfortably. The RAV4 is stylish enough for an off-road adventure and polished enough for the city streets of Chicago. Our RAV4 is always reliable. For more info on your favorite Toyota vehicles, get into your local Chicagoland Toyota dealer or visit toyota.com today. Toyota, let's go places. At American Sale, we're known for having the best selection of pools, patio furniture, hot tubs, and grills. Everything you need for your outdoor fun. More importantly, it's the quality of the products we sell and our product experts can answer any of your questions. And right now, you can save up to 50%, and we'll pay your sales tax. Or get 0% financing and get our lowest price guarantee. At American Sale, we're open, so come visit us or visit us online. American Sale, bring the fun home. In baseball, every fan dreams of the 5-2 of players. The same is true for what you get in a local day out. And one town that's got it all? Countryside. It all starts with Historic Route 66, adding great places to shop, even to buy your next car. And we all need to eat. Countryside has a variety in over 50 restaurants, outdoor fun, while Flag Creek Golf Course is a premier nine-hole destination. And why not stay a night in one of their excellent hotels? The city of Countryside provides it all, right off of I-55 and 294. Hey, uh, AT&T, do you mind turning down your music a little? We live with AT&T, and it's a headache. 
Before he moved in, he always talked about gig speed internet, but turns out we can't even sign up for that here. We really wanted gig speed for my constant work video calls during the day and all of his gaming and live streaming at night. Oh, seriously. You know, my buddy Bruce just switched to Xfinity. He went with a gig since all his kids are living at home. Lucky Bruce. I bet they also get Xfinity's online security, so all their connected devices are protected. Okay, I can't handle this. He is actually tone deaf. He's a drone chef? What's that? Stop living with AT&T. Xfinity can deliver gig to the most homes. Plus, with advanced security, if it's connected, it's protected. Switch to Xfinity. Go to Xfinity.com slash compare ATT. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. XFi advanced security is available to Xfinity Internet customers with a compatible XFi gateway. From the first pitch to the last out, Bet Rivers Sportsbook has all the bases covered. Bet Rivers has a massive number of baseball betting options on each game, including pre-game player props and live in-game betting every inning. Sign up now and get a free play match of 100% on your first deposit up to $250. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Championships are won with teamwork, and the roster of painting, wall covering, drywall finishing, glass systems, and signage contractors at FinishingChicago.com cover all the bases. Property managers, owners, and general contractors rely on Finishing Chicago's pre-qualified contractors to provide the industry's latest finishing techniques with consistent quality. Before you start on your next job site, be sure to check out their website, FinishingChicago.com, your free resource to find quality finishing contractors. Proud partner of the White Sox Radio Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner talking all things White Sox here on ESPN 1000. We were 610 start tonight. Yes, good call. 610 start. We're bringing you up to pregame coverage. Jonathan Hood will have your pregame show tonight starting at 530. He'll also have the post and Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson will be on the call for tonight's White Sox Rangers game at Guaranteed Rate Field. All right, Fred. So you were talking about bullpen usage. Yes. And how who concerns me most right now in the White Sox bullpen and somebody who I am not concerned about, who the White Sox splurged on this offseason. Liam Hendricks met the media earlier today, and he was asked specifically about how relievers are used in today's game. Does he prefer it the way it is right now, or is there something to the way they were used in the past? This was his response. That's a tough one because obviously I like throwing more innings, but in the same sense, I like being available in all games. So I like to be honest, I prefer the 75 to 80 games with the 85 to 90 innings with the couple of multi-inning in there and all that sort of stuff because it's you just get you get a chance to pitch almost every day. And that's the one thing I really enjoy is being available every day, no matter what. Uh, listen to the the Rangers broadcast; they were they were relatively hopeful that I'd uh, that I'd burnt myself out for today on the broadcast last night, which is not going to happen. So hopefully, uh, if I if I'm needed tonight, I'm needed. I'm I'll be ready out there. But uh, hopefully, we score a bunch and we don't need to. <laughs> I love that. That's what I love. He's listening to the Rangers broadcast, or someone told him, "Hey, they think you 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 used yourself up." You won't be able to go tomorrow, and that just gets the uh, the Aussie all pumped up. Yeah, no, and listen, Liam Hendricks is somebody. He, I do believe he's a bit of an anomaly. He likes the opportunity to throw. He feels good when he gets into a rhythm, and you heard him. He wants to be available every day whenever possible, and he showed 
I think he showed the White Sox last year in the playoffs. Yep. He He's there to answer the bell when called upon. He what, did didn't it, he throw like 50, 50 pitches? 50 pitches, I believe, in game two, right? Right. And then and, he came right back. There were some people who were like, oh, well, you want to look at the positive. The, the, he, Liam Hendricks won't be available for game three. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, if, if that's what you believe, you haven't been watching Liam Hendricks now for the last couple of seasons because he is available when needed. He is strong. He's got a good throwing program. He understands his mechanics, I think, very well, which, again, you know, I, what I was just talking about last segment where we talk about the pitch mechanics and pitch shape is something that's sure. very important. And the, just, just what you do with your mechanics, he is in tune with what he wants to do. He came in yesterday in the eighth inning with runners on. There were two runners on. He struck out two guys, and he stayed in. Did you have any problems when the the move was made last night, or do you think it was the right move going to Hendricks for a five out save? No, he looks. It's the old fireman role, you know, a guy who comes in in the most critical situations. And I'll be honest, even if they did want to go with somebody else, I would have been okay with it because right. I think that is the best usage of your bullpen. You go to your best reliever. In the most high leverage situation, Fred. Yeah, don't save them. That is going right. to make you, that's that's going to increase your odds of winning the ball game more than anything else, is bullpen usage and how you use your best pitchers. And so, yes, Liam Hendricks, you know, the good thing for the White Sox is they're loaded and have plenty of weapons available at, at Tony's disposal where it doesn't always have to be Liam Hendricks. But in high leverage situations, I want Liam Hendricks out there when possible. And so to see Tony use him in that situation, and I'm perfectly fine you know, if he got out, he gets out of the the jam, and then all of a sudden, you know, you let him go out there for a clean a, clean inning because he hasn't been heavily worked. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm totally fine with that. I think you know you'll hear Steve Stone talk about it on the broadcast, the television broadcast at times. It's it's not always about you know how many pitches a guy throws. It's about the 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 leverage of the inning. How hard is he working throughout sure. the inning too? So he got through the difficult part. So letting him go out there for the ninth was not at all a question for me. Yeah, and when they had the lead, he gives up a solo homer. That's okay. Yeah. No problem. There's nobody on base. You can give up the homer. You got a lead. Mm-hmm. And that lead was helped boosted by, you know, Moncada's homer late in the game. The so biggest helped. the biggest thing for me is if you're looking to use relievers, I want to make sure that when you get them up, you get them into the game as often as possible because they'll tell you. Yeah. That's the most aggravating thing for a reliever, and I think that's probably the biggest thing we've learned, because there's a lot gets talked about with pitch count and innings limits. The truth is, there's no magic numbers. We have no real empirical no. data that proves that this many pitches, you know, if you if you keep a guy to this many pitches, he's going to be safe throughout his career. You keep him to this many innings, and if you progress it by a year-by-year basis, that'll keep him safe. That's not true. No. That, that's never, some guys can handle heavier workloads than others. Now, is it because of their throwing program? Possibly, and how they train? Possibly, and we're learning more about that each and every day. But the reality is pitch counts and innings limits doesn't prove anything. But when you get a guy up to throw as a reliever, get him in the ball game when you can. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get him up throwing multiple times because they've, they've, they've seen that that can lead to arm troubles. And for your relievers, that's what you want to avoid. There's times on MLB The Show I get a guy up and I forget sometimes and he's warm enough for two innings. But, you know, I, I, I try to make sure I sit him back down and that or at is, least bring him into the game when I need to. And that is one reason why you are not managing the White Sox. My yeah, well, it is. You're right. So so if you get a guy up in the bullpen and he's throwing, you make sure you get him in or at least have him sit down a little bit. And But you hate to have him 
get warm, sit down, get warm again, sit down. You like to have them get warm, come in. Um, there have been times, I'm sure, I'd like to get a, the spin of a manager sometimes. How often, when, when you a guy's a perfect situation, but he, you had him up and he sat back down, do you get him up again? Yeah. And how often do you do that? And you've got to be, your bullpen coach has to say, listen, he threw too much already. We don't want to get him up again. That's where it's an art and not a science. Sure. You have to understand and listen to your guys in the pen, your coaches, who, and even the pitchers, like Liam Hendricks, who seem to know you know what they're capable of. I mean, listen, Liam Hendricks wants to go out there and throw whatever possible. And I love when he gets mad when he doesn't, when he, he throws him. He doesn't get mad at calls. We've not seen him get mad at a call yet. We've only seen him get mad when he doesn't do what he, he expects to be doing. Uh, bring home a part of White Sox history. Commemorate Carlos Rodon's first career no-hitter with a limited edition ticket. On sale now through May 2nd. Visit WhiteSox.com slash no-hitter to purchase yours today. All right, Fred. So I, I do have to ask you, today is April 24th. I want to know if April 23rd, if we should rename it a date in baseball. And, I, and you're looking at me like, what the I hell are you talking about? Because you don't know. Yeah. So yesterday, last night on April 23rd, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit two home runs at Dodger Stadium. Now, why is that significant? Well, the only other player to ever hit two home runs at Dodger Stadium on April 23rd was Fernando Tatis. Now, it was Fernando Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s dad... He had not become senior yet. He would become senior 111 days later when Fernando Tatis Jr. would be born. Okay. But the father and son of Fernando Tatis Sr. hit two grand slams in the same inning. I at, remember at that. Dodger I didn't Stadium know it was on April 23rd. On April 23rd, 1999. Last night, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit two home runs at Dodger Stadium and he became only the second player to do so at Dodger Stadium. That's amazing. So just, just I, I, I'm going to rename April 23rd Fernando Tatis Day in honor of the uh, father-son duo both hitting home runs at Dodger Stadium on the same date. That's okay. just baseball's crazy when when you see stats like that. When is James Shields Day? Stop it, Fred. Stop it. No James Shields Day. Stop okay. it. Okay. I just wanted to celebrate a cool moment in baseball. We're talking. All things White Sox, and you had to go there. Well, and it's amazing, too, because when he hurt his shoulder, they were going to work on having him change his swing a little bit. Yeah. Fernando Tatis. Because of his free swing, and they thought that's how his shoulder got messed up and popped out. Now, I have not seen his swings. Well, they do. He's he's keeping both hands on the bat now. And some people say that could hurt it just as much by holding it that way. Certainly possible. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see and keep an eye on him. you got to get up late. you got to stay up late, but that Dodger-Padre series continues tonight, and that'll be a late night. So after... After the White Sox get a victory, you can uh, you know go to your favorite site. Honestly, you, th- that is my evenings. Yeah, uh, on, it seems like the past couple weekends, I watch White Sox baseball, and as soon as the White Sox game concludes, I flip over because the Dodgers and Padres. There's just so much animosity between both teams. Yeah, and there's a lot of juice for an April you know series. So they've I've been compelled to flip over and watch those games over the last couple. Plus, the Dodgers weekends. have guys out. The Dodgers have some injuries. People the keep Do- getting hurt. Nobody's going to feel sorry for the Dodgers. Oh, never. Dodgers and, and Yankees. No one should ever feel sorry for either either organization. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Kubner. Up next. We're going to talk with Christina O'Reilly from White Sox Charities, and she's going to tell us about a very cool experience that's going Welcome on tomorrow. Welcome back to White Sox tomorrow Weekly night here on you ESPN 1000, we're going to tell White Sox you what you can be I'm a part Jeff of. Meller, we'll along so with Fred Hubner, taking you right up to White Sox pregame, which starts at 5.30 this evening. Jonathan Hood will have your pre- and post-game coverage. 
Connor McKnight will be on the call with Darren Jackson for the White Sox Rangers game with first pitch at 610 tonight, Fred. We have Dallas Keuchel squaring off against Kyle Gibson. So a good one for sure. Hopefully another opportunity for the White Sox to add a win and go above more than one game above 500 as they are now 10-9 and nine and above 500 for the first time this season. How long would it take you to grow with the Dallas Keuchel beard? Well, Fred, I am 40 years old and I have never been able to grow a beard Either have I. For my entire life, so... Probably for the rest of you your can life. give me another 50, and I don't think I'd have a shot to do what Dallas does facially, but... It's so well-trimmed, too. Hey. It's amazing. What can you do? We all have our uh, crosses to You would hope the players would get distracted, the guys he's facing. I, listen, Look at that beard. I think he, uh, he has numerous ways to distract the hitters. They haven't really found... A good way of getting good wood on the ball when he's on the mound most days. So yeah, hopefully, whether, hopefully whether or not whether or not the facial hair yeah. is the key to his, his success, I cannot tell you. But I feel like he's been a good pitcher in times when he's been clean shaven. I I feel like I remember okay. times in Houston okay. when he was a very good pitcher and he didn't always have you know. Oh, so the, he's not Samson. He's not. So if no, he I think it, I think I think he's just a good pitcher. Okay, I think cool. that's part of it. Cool. All right, so Fred, tomorrow night. We've got a pretty cool event going on, which White Sox Charities is involved in. It is the Beyond the Diamond fundraising event. Um, the event returns to a virtual live stream format with the season opening celebration. It supports Chicago White Sox Charities. Their features include uh, exclusive content and player-focused entertainment. It is all going to be a great opportunity for you to do something great for White Sox Charities. And Christine O'Reilly joins us now, and she's going to tell us a little bit about it. Christine, listen, I have to tell you, as somebody who has actually done different charity events via virtual, part of me, I, I don't know if it's the sloth in me, but part of me enjoys the lazy aspect I can just pop on virtually on a Sunday evening and be involved in an event, and I don't even have to get dressed up like it's a black tie of air. <laughs> That's true. You've, you've got it all going for you tomorrow night starting at 6.30 then, Jeff. I just get to sit at home, pop on in, in a virtual room, and I have the event come to me. So tell, tell fans yeah. out there like how they can be a part of it and what's going on tomorrow evening. Sure, sure. So it's beyond the diamond, as you said. This year, you know, we were able to gather in person for a couple years, but we're uh, changing things up this year, and it's virtual. So starting at 6.30 tomorrow night, fans will be able to log on. It's beyond. It's whitesox.com slash diamond. They'll be able to log on, and it's really cool because it shows some really great um, kind of an inside look at the players off the field. We've got a couple fun game shows. We've got one with our Spanish-speaking guys, MVP Toe, which is a lot of fun. Who knows? Pito the best. We've got a trivia contest with a bunch of players and a really fun newlywed segment with some of with some of our um, some of our players and their wives. So it is something where people can go online, WhiteSox.com/diamond, and make a donation to be able to access the live stream. The great thing about it is it'll start tomorrow, but we are going to keep that stream live then through May second. So if something comes up or you have to stop in the middle of it. You'll be able to log back on and get on until May 2nd. One of the coolest parts of Beyond the Diamond that we added is an amazing auction. We have 50-plus lots, some really cool stuff. So it's just a fun way, as you said, to get to see an inside look at the players 
um, and help White Sox charities make a difference in the community. Okay, the people that are watching and contributing uh, and watching from home on the virtual uh, situation, they don't have to get dressed up. But will the game show hosts be dressed up, which I would think would be Jason Benetti, Len Casper? Would it, will they have to be dressed up for to be game show hosts? Don't they look great at any time <laughs> when you see them? So dressed up or not, I think they look terrific. But you're right. It's it's emceed by Jason and Len. They do a great job. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And as I said, even if you don't, if you're not able to participate in Beyond the Diamond, the show, um, the auction is really cool and worth checking out. Are there certain, are there one or two certain auction items that, that you are very excited about? Because every year there's always a lot of auction items and there's always a couple things that really are the ones that, you know, are the ones that people really want. Obviously, most auction items you always want. That's why you're bidding on them. But uh, yeah. there, there's always a couple that are really standouts. You know, the whole memorabilia market over the past year has just exploded. And we just think it's so fun that we get so much cooperation from our players and signing things so that we're able to offer so many cool things. You know, we've got so many jerseys. We have a game ball from Lucas Giolito's no-hitter last year. And, of course, we had to add a Your Mean Mercedes item in there. I wish we would have put the sandwich in there. That (laughs) We should have put a coupon in there for... Freddy's and and added the urinator sandwich. (laughs) That was a lot of fun to hear about that yesterday. But just bats, jerseys. Um, We have some, you know, we we have some Hall of Fame players items featured in there. It's 50 lots, so it's quite a bit to look at, but it's pretty cool just to see what we're offering this time around. So as Christine O'Reilly from White Sox Charities mentioned there, plenty of cool items to bid on. They'll have the game shows that you can take a look at, which sounds really cool. MVP, though, as she mentioned. Who knows? Jose Abreu, the best. That will be fun to check out. Len Len Casper and Jason Benetti will be your hosts for the evening. It uh, starts tomorrow at 630. If you'd like to to participate, get your live stream tickets and secure with a suggested donation of just $50. They're on sale today, April 4th. Uh, They're on sale at whitesox.com slash diamond. All proceeds benefit Chicago White Sox Charities, which provide annual financial in-kind and emotional support to hundreds of Chicago-based organizations. So a truly great event and something that I know all White Sox fans are looking forward to. What else are we missing, Christine? What else do we yeah, need to you know, know about I just, this event? I just, you know, you've mentioned the proceeds benefit White Sox charities. Mm-hmm. This year, Beyond the Diamond, we like to use Beyond the Diamond to tell kind of a story of our fundraising and a little bit more in-depth than we normally have an opportunity to do so. So this year we are featuring our ACE program, our Amateur City Elite program, and it's it's um, it, it's an opportunity for inner city kids in Chicago to participate in travel ball, you know, something they wouldn't be able to do without the support of White Sox charities. And I have to mention that because just today, one of our ACE alumni, Corey Ray, who was a first-round draft mm-hmm. pick of the Milwaukee Brewers in 2016, made his major league debut so I don't normally spend time on Saturday afternoons watching Cub games, but I did watch the Brewers today, and I did get to see Corey make it to the big show, and that's just, we're so proud of him. We love our ACE program. It's its its amazing, um, you know, how we've been able to nurture these kids and get them into college and, and not only prepare them, you know, in Corey's case for making it to the big leagues, but really prepare them in life. And that's what our fans help us do by supporting White Sox charities. 
Just but, you know, you mentioned what else we have, you know, we try to create a lot of opportunities where fans can kind of take a little piece of the White Sox with them. Um, you know, we've got two programs that we're running this year. Um, our, we did it. We started a Queen of Hearts raffle, a progressive raffle um, in the off season that is up and running. And the jackpot right now is at one hundred and ten thousand dollars. So that's pretty exciting. Um, that is up and running at whitesocks.com slash queen of hearts. So fans can go take a look at that. You know, we do our sock split presented by Wintrust for every game and actually uh, during road games as well. Just a fun way for fans to kind of engage at the game at a different level and have a chance to win some cash. One of the nice things, too, about this, and you had mentioned earlier that when you've done stuff before in fundraising events, they were always in person. So sometimes people may not have been able to afford to come to a thing in person. The nice part about this and the live stream tickets are only $50, the suggested donation, which is great because so many people are, can be sitting at their computer. The $50 goes there. They get involved in all of this and get a chance to see it all. And I like the thing that you, you extend, you're going to extend the stream for a couple of days because, you know, even on a Sunday night, people might have busy lives and busy things going on they might not be able to sit and watch the whole thing but here they'll get to go back and see it yep go back and see it till may 2nd and the auction we're keeping open until next when this upcoming wednesday so yeah like i said it's just it's such a great it's a fun night len and jason are just amazing they make it really great to watch and it's fun to see kind of the off the field side of the guys as well it is absolutely something that we're excited about again tomorrow. And as Fred mentioned, it will be available if you cannot make it tomorrow. Uh, thanks so much to the presenting partners as well, People's Gas and Trust, for making it possible the Beyond the Diamond at Home. It's a great, uh, great, great event. Check it out. Again, if you'd like to be a part of it, check it out at whitesocks.com slash charities. Christine O'Reilly of White Sox Charities, thanks so much for joining us here on the ESP 1000, the White Sox Network. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Christine. Thank you, Christine. We appreciate her time. Freddie, we have ourselves first pitch about 20 minutes away. And the White Sox right now at 10-9 and nine are two, ca- two games back of the Royals in the AL Central. But the, another positive to what I just gave you, their run differential is plus 16 on the year. They're the only one in the division, right? Exactly. The Royals 12-7, and seven, but a run differential of minus one. And you may say, look, Meller, the, the run differential is great. I'm that guy. I'm but, that guy. But when all is said and done, they don't determine who wins the division based on run differential. It still goes by wins and losses. Uh You are correct about that, Fred. I cannot debate you on that. But what I will say is what they will tell you is that run differential is the – if you're going to look at a team in season and say who is most likely to build on what they have, the best predictor is actually run differential, not their current win-loss record. And so the fact that the White Sox are already well into the positive at plus 16 bodes well for the future. That's part of the reason when we, when we brought up those playoff odds earlier in, the, earlier in the show on White Sox Weekly here. We mentioned that the White Sox, according to fan graphs, have a 62.4% chance to make the playoffs. That's just to make the playoffs. Okay. The Royals are currently at 21.8. See, baseball reference had them different, but which is great because there's so many different people yeah, but out there. It, listen, right? they've all got their own different models. Yes. But the point is the White Sox in both baseball reference and fan graphs are the favorites to make the playoffs out of the AL Central. And that is based partially on how they've played so far in, in conjunction with the fact that the, the Twins have struggled yeah. Out of the gate. Lost again today. The Twins are, you know, they're 7 and is it 13 or 12 here? I'm trying to check my 
So the, the Twins are 7-12, and 12, as, as you mentioned, and so they are five games back. Look, I think most people look at the Twins and say they are the biggest competitor in, within the division. The Royals are a nice little story at the start here, but when you look at the roster top to bottom, the Twins are the biggest team that the White Sox need to worry about. The, the one thing with run differential that I've always had a problem with is if you win more games, the odds are you're going to have a better, a plus run differential than teams that lose games. Yes. Okay. Now, early in the season, people will say numbers don't matter much. Right now, the Kansas City 12 and 7 with a minus one. The White Sox are plus 16 uh, in their run differential. There's no other, there, there's not many teams in the American League that have plus numbers. You have Boston at plus 18. We know what some of that is. Toronto at plus 12. Seattle at plus 6. Houston at plus 6. Other, that's it. So most teams are minus run differential in this, in, the, in in the American League. But so not, it's very strange. But not the White Sox, Freddie. The White no, they're Sox second, right are, behind Boston. Uh, when they when they when they go ahead and the uh, lumber comes out, they bring it big time. Yeah, and that again is uh, a good predictor for future success in season. So if that's something that you know you want to look at, and, and I guess part of the reason too why I have not been overly concerned with a bit of a sluggish start when you look at just the win loss record as a total is because you know what. I've been looking at it and saying, you know what? I believe this bullpen is good. They'll get things righted. The starting pitching is amongst the best in baseball. Yep. And the lineup, you know, despite the fact that Eloy Jimenez is not there this season, at least until September, or likely till September, well, you know what? You just plug in your mean Mercedes, and he's been the story that we've been talking about all day. It's right. your mean Mercedes celebration so far this season, and I am very encouraged as a White Sox fan with what they've done so far. Well, as Hawk used to say, you only have to worry about the the losses after they get past 60. Because what do you say? Win 60, lose 60 is what you do in the other 40, yeah. 42 games. And so you're good right now. You're going to lose. You're going to lose 60 games. You go 102 and 60. Yeah. That's not bad. If you, if you, want, if you really want to drill down and say what's the takeaway from a 10 and 9 start, it's okay. You know, 120 wins is probably out of reach. Yes. You, you're not going to, will be you're not reach, gonna play good enough baseball. And maybe 100 wins is a little ambitious. You'd have sure. to play some amazing baseball, you know, for the rest of the season to hit the hundred win mark when you take twenty off and you're basically five hundred. But they, they're certainly within you know, ninety five games is certainly within reach and I think sure. winning this division is certainly uh the number one goal and definitely on the table at this point. And because the twins have scuffled you know, I, I'm con- I'm encouraged that the White Sox right now, the only team they trail is the Royals. I think the White Sox the run differential, better days are ahead for them. That at least based on my experience watching the run differential, it's a good it's a good okay. predictor. Freddie. Okay, that's fine. Hey, Sox fans, the Chicago Sports Depot is back for the season. Get the latest team gear to rep all season long. Be sure to follow the at White Sox store on Instagram for series sales and more. For store hours and information, visit whitesox.com slash depot. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. One more segment to go before Jonathan Hood takes over for your White Sox pregame coverage. First pitch is at 610 on ESP 1000 White Sox Network. Wrapping things up here on White Sox Weekly on ESP 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. Shortly here, we'll move out of the way as Jonathan Hood will take over and have your White Sox pregame coverage with Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson on the call this evening. White Sox taking on the Rangers with a 6-10 first pitch. As we mentioned earlier, 
Dallas Keuchel will be on the hill for the White Sox, and he'll be opposed by Kyle Gibson, who's off to a good start this year. Yeah, the nice thing is they've won four, Sox have won four or five. The only one they've lost in their last five games was the disaster on Patriots Day. Or yes. the Patriots Day Massacre. As I've been calling right. it, yes. So that's the only one they've lost. They've won the other games. They they, they haven't all been pretty. The 8-5 win on Tuesday in Cleveland. Uh, the 9-7 win last night. It was nice to score nine runs, but it was not nice to see them give up as many as they did. It was a tough game where they had a lead, a big lead, and all of a sudden, next, you know, it's 5 nothing. Next thing you know, it's it's tied, and that wasn't nice. So it would be nice to see a nice, snappy you know, a nice two or three nothing win. Dallas Keuchel going six, six and two thirds, and then make the make it easy on the bullpen tonight. Absolutely, the the whole show has been a celebration of your mean Mercedes because he's really, I think, become one of the favorites of most White Sox fans out there, and really a darling of baseball. Sure, the Yerminator sandwich, as we mentioned earlier, has uh, you know the. A uh, restaurant near the ballpark has uh, started up with their own unique twist on him capitalizing on the, you know, the fanfare that he's received, and rightfully so. Yeah, deservedly so. I'm absolutely, you know, I'm encouraged and truly believe that he is going to hit all season long as long as he's in the lineup. So uh, I just think he needed an opportunity at the major league level. He's finally getting one, and the White Sox are being the true beneficiaries of that. We We didn't have a chance yet, Fred, to talk about Michael Kopech stepping no. up last Sunday in the doubleheader, in the second game of the doubleheader. And boy, you know, talk about a glimpse of the future yep. and how tantalizing it was to see what he brought out and what he's going to be capable of. You know, I think a lot of fans coming into the season were a little concerned because he was, you know, he had Tommy John surgery. He opted out of 2020 because of COVID, and a lot of people were concerned about what he was going to bring. And out of the bullpen so far, he's been electric. Yep. And then he gave you the spot start in Boston where, you know, you just, I'll be honest, I, I knew he, he wasn't going to go six or seven innings, but part of me was like, God, I wish he was stretched out because I just, I, I want to see what he's going to be able to give this White Sox team in the future? Yeah, I mean, well, he was the three perfect innings, and he got he got a hit, gave up a hit in uh, in the uh, fourth, and all of a sudden he came out, which was fine. Um, did you ever get the answer to the question, how many innings do you have to go to get a win in a seven inning game? Because if it's still five, because Foster came in after him and he got the win, so I'm trying to figure out it should I, be less. No, I'm. It's still it's, five though. It's that's it's, crazy. It, you know, it, I guess there's always the the. They score his discretion. Yeah. Where they can give the win to a pitcher if they so choose. Well, he was perfect for three, you know, so and I mean, well, he didn't he, stay yeah. very long. But but listen, that was, had he not essentially been perfect, I don't even think he would have gotten the fourth. Right. Except for the, what sure. he was, he had gone out there and blown away the Red Sox hitters. And so Tony said, you know what? I, I'm not going to mess with this. Like, go out there. Yeah. Give it a try. See what you got in the fourth. And that's where, you know, a guy who's hasn't been stretched out and hasn't, given you 100-plus pitches now in a long, long time, wasn't going to go out there and, you know, he wasn't going to just, you know, run him into the ground, which was a good, which, which was a good yeah. thing. So. I think it's a really good thing, too. Um, I think it's a really good thing that you saw that he's being used this way. You bring him out of the bullpen. You've got him from the right side. you got Crochet from the left side along with the other guys. And then when you need a spot start, you can go to him. And eventually, as the season gets longer, you may end up using Crochet in a spot start. The, listen, that might happen. Six-man rotations are kind of becoming the norm across baseball. So right. I certainly would not rule that out, the idea that Kopech and Crochet yeah. make more spot spot starts as the season goes along. Hey, 
We'll see what happens Why tomorrow not, right? because we already heard from Tony La Russa that we're not sure whether or not Lucas Giolito will be on the hill Sunday or Monday. So who knows? Maybe yeah. it, Sunday maybe or it, Tuesday now because Monday's an off day. Exactly. Yeah. So so we'll see how Lucas feels and uh, whether or not he'll be the starter. Hey, if you want to be out for the next time Lucas Giolito, Giolito starts, we've got the perfect space for you and your group. Learn more about White Sox private party areas and start planning your outing to the ballpark. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. Fred, that's going to do it for us. Yep. But White Sox fans, don't go anywhere because Jonathan Hood has you covered for the pregame. He'll be here until 610 when Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson take over with the play-by-play. And then, of course, Jay Hood will be back with your post-game coverage right here on ESP 1000 White Sox Network. Thanks so much to Mike Huff and Christine O'Reilly for joining us today. Thank you to Eric Ostrowski for running the board and for and to Ryan McGuire for executively producing us. Stick around. White Sox, Rangers, coming up here momentarily on ESP 1000 White Sox Network.